My alma mater, my team, my school had the opportunity to win the game that it should have, to win the game it was expected to win, and finally give all of us what we want more than anything else. And that might be our problem because it ain't the national championship. It's the ability to look every Buckeye in the face and tell them, shut up. And instead what happened was an unmitigated disaster. Monumental proportions. Breakdowns on every side of the ball, every phase of the game. And to give up 60 points was a true, absolute nightmare to watch. I want to talk about Urban Meyer just for a second because what he's done at Ohio State in these seven years is nothing short of remarkable. But here's what he's done. 12 and 0, 12 and 2, 14 and 1, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 11 and 1. He is 77 and 7 in the regular season at Ohio State, 84 and 9 overall. That's impossible. Never lost to Michigan. He has as many wins against Michigan as he has regular season losses. You can't handle the truth. Listen, Michigan fans, I'm talking to you right now. I feel for you. Because I thought it was going to be your year to make this playoff push. Because this seemed like it was the year. You had lost 13 of the last 14 to the Buckeyes coming into today. And now it's 14 of the last 15. And you got to wonder, when in the world is this going to happen? Because the only time that it did happen, since basically Jim Tressel got there, was in, in the Luke Fickle 6-7 and seven year for Ohio State. So now, Michigan, here's your prospects. You're probably going to go to like a Citrus or an Outback Bowl. Urban Meyer's legacy is set in stone here at Ohio State and in the pantheon of college football. He's going to go down as one of the greatest ever. What he did and his coaching staff did today with that game plan and that effort from his players, that was master class. So, Urban Meyer, this one's to you and your family. You deserve this win. Kudos to you, your coaching staff, and your family for persevering through this entire year and ultimately getting this win that's got to feel so sweet. Good morning, Bucknutter. It is Tuesday, November 27th, 2018. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. That was a glorious intro. There's been plenty to put together. Just a fabulous, fabulous weekend for those who were in the shoe, got to experience Ohio State's drubbing of Michigan, and those who watched it on TV from the comfort of their couch enjoyed it as well. Dwayne, we aren't even going to talk about the weather today. How are you feeling two or three days after what was just a glorious W on the shoe? You've you got to go back and, you know, what my um, what I talked about first in the long view was uh, just uh, when's a win over Michigan been that satisfying? When's the last time? And not only did we beat them, we just, it was a curb stomping. I mean, we were just running up and down the field on the number one pass defense in the country. Couldn't do anything about it. Asking for six touchdown passes. I mean, it was just glorious all the way around. It was, and I had the great fortune of being there and 
anytime you go to a game and have great seats, thanks to Mr. Bucknuts, you get to see a ton of stuff that you don't see on television and have some observations, and, I, and I'll get to that here in a sec. But the dismantling of Michigan was – I mean, we discussed this on the show – Describe the shock value of what went into it in terms of at what point in time did you realize this was going to be different than, say, the Michigan or Purdue? At what point in time did you realize this was going to be different than the Maryland and Purdue debacles? Well, pretty early on, Dan, I thought this could get interesting because we were scoring on them. And my contention for most of the year is that if if we're scoring points, we're going to be hard to beat. You, you're going to have to score. I remember early on uh, a comment you made was, if you're going to beat Ohio State, you got to score 40 points. Yep. And that still wouldn't have been. <laughs> Michigan just came up uh, one point short and still got run off the field. This team can score against anybody, anybody. And when the running attack is working, and I would say that's probably the one thing that stood out to me, was, yeah, number one pass defense, but we're also running the ball. And it changes everything. The first players that will stand up that you got to be able to run the ball are quarterbacks. You think they want to throw every down? No, they know better than that. They can't do it. If a defense could just pin back its ears and come after the quarterback, it changes the game. The defense has a distinct advantage. We were running the ball, and Haskins was running effectively. That we were moving the ball, we weren't looking uh, as out of sync as uh, you know. It seemed like all year we were disjointed on offense and on defense. Um, that we were limiting Shea Patterson's impact on the game. That was another big thing. That, uh, you know, the linebackers, you know, people are saying, well, that was the best game they played all year. That may have been the best game they played in two years. So there were just signs early on that we're in this and we can win this football game. Yeah, here are my observations just from being there, and these are random and then we'll let you have the floor. One, there is a clear talent differential. And some of this, by the way, obviously has been said by others, so I don't – and some of it's going to be redundant. But there's a clear talent difference. When you get – when you watch the teams on the field, the speed difference shows up immediately. Michigan just is not as deep as Ohio State. Their reserve players, their reserve running backs, and are not as big and strong as fast as Ohio State. There's just no question about that. Um, they just didn't look as sudden. Um, defensively for Ohio State, Malik Harrison is light years more talented than the other linebackers. Now, they schemed him well, and you saw him come free defensively, but it is absolutely stark when you are there. He is taller, he looks better, he's faster, and Borland and Werner, I'm sorry, in person don't even look any faster than they do on tape. Um, that's troubling to me, and it has been the whole year. Harrison looked better in person. Um, 
this is just a little anecdotal thing I saw. At the end of the game, when Michigan put in the reserve quarterback and he threw that deep pass down the middle that Jordan Fuller misplayed and was caught, we were in somewhat of a prevent defense. Draymond Jones walked off the field and walked right up to Greg Schiano and pointed to him and said something strong and walked away, which looked a lot like that was your fault for the scheme. So that was interesting to see. Paris Campbell made himself, I would say, a million dollars at the game. That kind of speed on that kind of stage with the way the NFL has adapted and started to favor hybrid-type players, your uh, Curtis Samuels of the world. I know Paris can't catch very well, but there's got to be some ingenious NFL brain that sees that and sees big touchdowns because one thing that was apparent at the game, and I gave this analogy to someone else, if you're in a game against Ohio State and you are running away from Buckeyes, you're a pro. The last player I saw do this, believe it or not, I'm going to go win the Wayback Machine here, was Jamal Charles when he was a freshman at Texas, and I only knew him as number 25. He was running away from Buckeyes on screen passes and stuff. If you're doing that, you're a pro. Paris Campbell was running away from people. Zero to 60, he is just a special football player, um, and he's – He's probably been more underappreciated here than almost any player who's been here. He's been here forever. He came at 17. His size is something that's not mentioned a lot. He's 210 pounds, so I think Paris made himself a lot of money. And one other big – let me say one more negative thing first. Our defensive backs have no ball awareness. Kendall Sheffield is in position to make every single play, but he forgets that he's playing football. You can cover a guy all you want. You've got to make a play on the ball. He is in great position. He just has terrible ball awareness. Damon Arnett is not a good football player. He's not an Ohio State caliber football player. He leads the league in the post-game, you know, post-play arm slash with a flag being thrown behind him. He's just out of position. He looked confused at the snap a lot of times. He was the one looking over at the uh, sideline for assignment and not knowing. I'm not sold on Arnett, and obviously we never will be. And here's my general observation about Ohio State. If you try and play them straight up, meaning an offense that plays a traditional style, kind of the way Michigan does, and they have more RPO and movement with uh, Patterson than they have in the past with someone like Wilton Spade, that plays right into Ohio State's wheelhouse. The only team I could see doing that and possibly beating them is Alabama. Nobody else is just going to line up straight against them and play regular football. The teams that are going to give Ohio State's defense trouble are these gimmicky, you know, uh, spread, uh, Purdue, Rondell Moore, Maryland, you know, freak off. I don't think, and Alabama's the only team I would say this could have a chance, anyone's just going to line up and beat Ohio State playing traditional football. All right, those are my observations. Dwayne, your thoughts on any of them or anything else you want to share? Well, uh, in particular, I got a, you know, the ball awareness is a thing. Uh, you know, Sheffield, it just seems like a sudden thing. In the last about three games, it's, what are you doing? Have you been uh, uh, listening to Damon Arnett? Damon Arnett is is just bad. Damon Arnett is – and here's the thing. The ball awareness with him is off the charts. 
he is just doesn't get it. He is. I've seen him in position to make plays ever since he's been here, and he doesn't. He can't figure. He's with the receiver. He hasn't been beat badly, and then he still gives up catches. The, I mean, we got to get better than Damon Arnett. We've got to find a way out of Damon Arnett in our starting lineup. Damon Arnett, anywhere but special teams, is really just – he's just really as bad as it gets at cornerback for Ohio State. I could not go back and think of a corner that was – as bad as Damon Arnett. We've had some bad safety play, but we've been really good at cornerback for quite some time. You know, we're on a run run for the ages now with cornerbacks, but it's he is just, wow, is he bad. Uh, as far as other things, I, I would go back to the offensive and defensive lines, how well they played. The, the most underrated defensive lineman we have is Robert Landers. Robert Landers was not uh, a five-star recruit, wasn't even a four-star recruit. Uh, he's an undersized guy. But Robert Landers finds himself in the backfield as much as any defensive lineman we have. His first step is top drawer. He's explosive. Just boom, he's gone. And, and the guard is just, okay, where'd the guy go? Yeah. He's just really outstanding. He gives... Uh, 100% effort all the time. Love the guy. Both defensive and offensive lines played well. The offensive line had a rough start with penalties, and that really hurt us early on drives because we were moving the ball, and then we'd shoot ourselves in the foot with a motion penalty, holding, whatever. And But then the offensive line righted themselves, uh, didn't really have – I can't remember a single play that Chase Winovich uh, – had an impact on the game. Uh, did Rashawn Gary play? I don't think he did. But, uh, you know, it's just they just uh, they just dominated Michigan up front on both sides of the line. That's that's really a thing that stands out. And I also need to bring up Paris Campbell. That speed element is just – he talk about if he's even, he's leaving. Yeah, even if he's behind, he's still leaving. Uh, the guy can just explode out of nowhere. And yeah, the getting, jet sweep. Getting, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, he kills on the jet sweep. He's going to outrun. He's going to get to the corner first and watch out. The beauty of that play was it came right after a score. And, you know, there's a, there's a slight change in momentum, and that was just the, the, the hammer of of the outcome into them. The one guy I want to mention who I forgot to mention in the first little vignette I gave out there is Jonathan Cooper. I have not been impressed with him as a player at all. In fact, you know, we sat here and said, did he play after certain games? He was a werewolf in this game. He, this was the best game he played by not even – it's not even close. If people remember the play where Chase Young affected uh, Patterson, he threw the interception to Jordan Fuller, there was holding on that play, and it was Jonathan Cooper that was held and it was a give-up hold, meaning the guy was just beat, and he grabbed him. He's just gotten much more sudden. It looks like he's, uh, his moves or something have developed better, So, I, and I've been critical of Jonathan Cooper, so I wanted to make sure um, we, we mentioned him. Chase Minovich, Chase Minovich, it's a Freudian swept there. Chase Winovich made one play 
it was a Mike Weber run to the right, and he came from their opposite side of the line and, and kind of tackled him from behind. And then he gave the slash sign to the entire Ohio State sideline. So that worked out well for him in general. And Rashawn Gary, not only did he not play well, he was totally nondescript. I mean, I even forgot he was in the game until he got carted off with cramps in the beginning of the third quarter. It's one thing to have cramps at the end of a game in the summer. If you had cramps in the beginning of the third quarter when people are wearing three or four layers in the stands, you have not prepared correctly. So that's a fitting end to him and the Michigan rivalry. Yeah, the offensive line was spectacular once they got going. If you would have told me before the game Ohio State would not allow one sack, I would have thought that's more incredible than them scoring 62 points. i got to give them a ton of credit. I do want you to just say something, though, about, I mean, Urban Meyer, look, I'm in the tank for Urban Meyer. I don't want him to leave. Um, Like I said, I probably have forgiven more things than I should have. But to me, this was the, the most impressive coaching performance, program performance they've had, maybe since he's been here in light of what went on. I've been to a lot of sporting events. That was as enjoyable as almost any of I've ever been to especially at the shoe, and partially because it was so surprising. Am I exaggerating or being overly hyperbolic there in the, in the aftermath of the win? Uh, no. Dan did uh, 62 points against the number one pass defense in the country, and we talked about this defense. We, we've seen them. We've watched this mission defense just throttle people, just shut them down. They scored 62 points. It's the most they've given up in regulation ever. It's the most they've given up against Ohio State ever. We threw six touchdown passes on the number one pass defense in the country. It was just an absolute they, – they had no answer. You could see, you know, just pay attention between plays. And you could see middle of the third quarter starting into, into the fourth Michigan was looking around. They knew they couldn't win this game. They thought they were going to win. Alex Higdon guaranteed a win. They thought they had our number, finally. And I go back to a comment. If you went to Michigan, any of the Michigan fans put up the uh, links to um, uh, Michigan fan sites and and, the post-game uh, misery. One, yeah. One game, one in particular, said uh, this was Harbaugh's best team, and he still couldn't beat Ohio State. And that's really what – they can't beat Ohio State right now. Uh, you mentioned just the difference in speed and athleticism. It really is. Michigan's still not there yet. They've got some good athletes on defense, but uh, we exposed them. Offensively, there, there. Uh, I mean, is there any guy that really stood out to you that uh, he uh, it, wouldn't mind having him on our roster? No, not one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well, I'll tell you this. One guy. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I was very fearful of Donovan Peoples Jones and was calling out Watch Nine in the uh, in the stands. He didn't do anything. I mean, he's not even. He's not as sudden as I thought he was. He was not running away from anybody. He's not looked like – I mean, he's an NFL player, I assume, but I thought Donovan Peoples-Jones was more in the Julio Jones mold, and he's not. 
No, I, I would agree with you. He's he's a, he's a really good looking football player, and he will definitely play in the NFL. But he is not a uh, uh, you know a five star guy that you know is probably going to the NFL Hall of Fame at the end of his career, like like a Julio Jones. And coming out of high school, you would have thought uh, he was going to be in that category. No, he's 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 not. There was a future NFL There was a future NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver in attendance, but he was wearing a sweet North Face jacket on the sideline. His name was Michael Thomas. But continue. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, you know you you those kind of guys they have an impact regardless. For one thing, quarterbacks know just throw it up and let him go get it. And they don't do that with Donovan Peoples-Jones. They don't. And I don't know if he's got it in him to be that kind of guy. You don't take those kind of guys out of the game. Not with one-on-one coverage, and we just don't we're, – we're going to man up against anybody. So, yeah, you know, the running backs did not scare us. Shea Patterson, <clears throat> you can limit his impact. It's, it's, it, we show that we can limit his impact on the game. So – uh you know, they, he's coming back next year. Yeah, so what? Not gonna, not gonna get excited about that. Shea Patterson so, is a yeah. good player. He's a good player, and I will give him credit. He realized that at some point in time, he was going to have to wait as much as as long as possible to get rid of the ball, and he was willing to take a pounding to get rid of it. But he is not blessed. Uh, arm talent-wise, and he's a lot smaller in person than, than he looks on TV. I mean, he is really not a big guy. So um, I think he has trouble seeing over their line. Go ahead. Yeah, he's he's just not that – he's not the kind of guy that you can uh, put on the field and and let him make – and think he's going to make a difference against uh, a superior talent. He's just not. They're still really behind offensively. Defensively, they're losing a ton of people. They have not had great recruiting classes recently. Uh, you know, this one that's coming right now is probably going to be the best one they've had in a Harbaugh's tenure. You know, it's just not good enough. They're not a team that, you know, like you said, they're not going to run away from people. There wasn't a guy on offense that we we needed to be afraid of. They were a brutally efficient offense. I, I've watched them several times this year, and they're not a team that's just going to take the ball and go down the field like Ohio State's going to. So uh, not really worried about Shea Patterson returning. Uh, not, not They're still not a team that, at least on the offensive side, uh, is ready to beat Ohio State. Well, they tried to play them straight up, like I said, and there's no team, you know, north of the Mississippi that can do that. So that was a mistake. Uh, A couple things you mentioned there that it looked like Michigan's players somewhere in the third corner kind of realized what was going on. To me, that's you realizing that your coaches lied to you. Everything they told you was going to happen, everything they said to you about pumping you up, you realized was fluff and circumstance, and they realized they were getting their ass kicked and, that's about when the, when the air came out of, the, of their sails. Um, keep in mind, we scored 62 points. 
two drives ended inside the two-yard line, and we took a knee at the end. So add another eight and seven, 15 points. That was a 79, 77-point effort against the number one defense in the country, which, by the way, is only a number. There is not one person on earth now who thinks that's the number one defense in the country. Um, so we'll leave it at that. The one overriding negative to come out of the game, Demetrius Knox was hurt on looks on what looks to be the last competitive play of the game. Wyatt Davis will go in there at right guard to start for uh, Ohio State against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game this weekend in Indianapolis. What's your vibe on Davis? Do you think he can hold down the fort? Uh, I have to say, yeah. I I mean, Demetrius Knox, that's the best game that he's played at least this year. Too many times the breakdowns when you just dissect it down to who did what right and who did what wrong. Too many times it's Demetrius Knox who just was not performing. This was his best game. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, let's at least, uh, you know, this he's not ready stuff is has just gotten old. It's really okay. Uh, why is he not ready? Because he's going to make mistakes? Well, we're already making mistakes. Let's try a younger guy with more upside. Let's stick him in there and let him learn, just like we did with Isaiah Prince. We stuck him out there and said, you got to play. That's, that's what we should have done. Uh, so I'm not really worried about it. The guy was a road grader coming out of high school. Just absolutely moved people. <laughs> just planted people. Just played with a mean streak. And Knox, that's one of the big things of him. Is too many times he just got stuffed. I don't think you're going to see Wyatt Davis getting shoved into the quarterback and, and the running backs. We saw that happen with Knox far too often. So uh, I'm, I'm going into it optimistic. The last time we kind of saw something like this, it was more abrupt, and it was Pat Elfline going in for Marcus Hall. We all know how that turned out quite well. Well, Bucknutters, that was about as good as it could have gone. I went back and listened to Dwayne and my show last week, and we certainly weren't that optimistic. But it was a wonderful weekend in the shoe. I hope everybody had a chance to enjoy it. I hope you're still living off the fumes. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Bucknutters.